while a transformational leader had to be like a leading figure and had to lead a lot through personality and a lot through his own vision and um, um, people were talking about followers um, following a transformational leader. While, while on the other spectrum, the purposeful leader is much more considering the, the whole movement in itself. It's not just about putting yourself in the forefront, but to be standing next to each other if you sort of want to picture it as a line and together have a say about where you're going where you're gonna go with your transformation or with your change. It's time to draw up your battle plans, assemble your team and ask yourself, what kind of leader am I? This is your practical guide to starting the movements that change the world. I'm Rich Brophy and this is How to Start a Ride. What's up, Riot Squad? Welcome to the show. Uh, today, we are going to be looking at leadership within movements. And to do that, we're actually taking a little bit of a sidestep away from social movements and into the business world. And we're doing that because the best way to grow and evolve and innovate is not to look within and, you know, constantly reanalyze what you're doing. It's actually to look beyond, you know, to look to other organizations, to other industries and see what lessons you can learn, leverage and straight out steal. Uh, specifically today, we're looking at leadership skills in times of volatility and change. As leaders of movements, you guys are constantly having to react and transform. You know, maybe policy changes, disruptive events take place or society's values sometimes lurch suddenly one way or the other. And when that happens... Um, you need to be equipped. And to help us understand the leadership traits that are required and how they can be built, we're talking to a change management aficionado. Dr. Linda Matula has worked with some of the biggest consultancies and organisations in the world, helping leaders navigate change and pursue fruitful and sustaining futures. And today she'll be talking us through the forces that are at play in the world right now, the behaviours required of leaders like you, and some nifty rules of thumb from the business world that you can apply to your role in leading the movements that change the world. She's passionate, empathetic, extremely knowledgeable, and frankly, it's a privilege to have her with us here today. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you, Richard. Nice being here. Linda, do you want to start by just for a little bit of context telling us who you are and what you do? Sure. Originally, I'm from uh, Germany. Um, I lived in Australia for quite a while and I've been working in the arena of change management for the past 15 years. I've done research as well as um, consulting work um, for several bigger com consulting companies. I'm um, burning for the topic of change management and leadership and I'm quite excited to be here today. Great. Well, I'm really excited to unpick leadership because I've spoken to different people from within movements and everyone has a bit of a different perspective, but I suppose those perspectives have been formed from the inside mm. and when you look at something from the outside, you get a very different idea of how it works. So I guess a good place for us to start is what does leadership mean to you? Yeah, sure. Um, leadership to me is um, the ability to navigate groups, teams or an entire organisation through the complex world we actually leave, live in and to navigate through changes and transformation. And so when you talk about leadership in that way, is that just within business or is that within all walks of life? Oh, no, this is within all walks of life. Yeah, okay. Now, why, is, why are we talking about leadership? Why is it 
Why is it such a passion for yeah. you right now? Look, because the thing is what I've seen in the past and what um, what a lot of uh, theory as well as practical um, research has proven that any any kind of change that you want to endeavor requires strong leadership. And when there's like lack of leadership or weak leadership involved in transformational projects or in change, that they actually don't succeed. So this is why I find it extremely interesting. That, well, I think it's going to be hyper-relevant for today's conversation um, because obviously everyone we're talking to is not just probably moving a group through change and helping them evolve and grow, but it's also looking at kind of big social political issues that mm. where change is necessary and people know, need to know how to navigate it because the landscape is always changing. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit. I mean, the, the, the VUCA environment um, that we are living in at the moment. What are you? Um, sorry, can you uh, can you define <laughs> VUCA course. for us? I, I, of course, I will do that. So uh, VUCA stands for um, vulnerability, uncertainty, um, ambig- ambiguity, and um, complexity. Sorry, that was the wrong order. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no, I think that's good. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, to be honest, doesn't matter how you lay out those four forces. Yeah. Um, it's still pretty, and it's, it's still an overwhelming idea, yeah. right? I mean, it's sort of the environment we live in at the moment and we've been living in in the past um, years and decades, actually. So, What does it actually mean, though, that volatility, ambiguity, complexity? Yeah, that, that actually means that any any decision we want to make or any movement we want to cause is um, faced with extreme challenges because things are not as predictable anymore. Things are quite ambiguous. Um, knowledge you have today will probably not hold tomorrow. Um, the trap of making plans and then sticking to a plan that's out of date is quite big. And um, the, the challenges we have or that we are currently facing are much more complex than they have been in the past. And that makes it, um, yeah, well, very difficult to actually start a transformation because you don't sort of don't know where to start and where to, where to begin. I'm quite interested by that because it seems as though to say that volatility and uncertainty and all this stuff is a new phenomenon, seems strange, because surely this stuff has always been here. Is it yeah. just that we've just started recognising it or acknowledging it or has the world got more complex, more volatile? Yeah, well, that's that's quite a fundam- fundamental and philosophical question. I think we have started to re- realise it a bit more, um, given all the information that we can now access um, it's sort of amazing because, I mean, we can we can access the internet and find out anything we really like or we really wish to find out. But at the same time, it's sort of overwhelming of how much information you actually get and to filter out what is, what is, what is um, important and necessary for the steps you want to take is, I think, pretty complex. So, Linda, can you tell us about the, um, I guess, the difference between is it the old leadership and the new? you know, pre-VUCA leadership and post-VUCA leadership. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, if you look at, for example, uh, the comparison between transformational leadership and purposeful leadership, which would be like um, purposeful leadership being the leadership style that is considered a bit more uh, more recent and, and more appropriate for nowadays, mm-hmm. um, while a transformat- transformational leader had to be like a leading figure and had to lead a lot through personality and a lot through his own vision and um, uh, people were talking about followers. 
um, following a transformational leader. Um, while at the same time, while, while on the other spectrum, the purposeful leader is much more considering um, the the whole movement in itself. It's not just about putting yourself in the forefront, but to be standing next to each other, if you sort of want to picture it as a line, and together have a say about where you're gonna where you're gonna go with your transformation or with your change. So, how is that leadership when you know you're standing shoulder to shoulder with other people? I mean, you still have to like. I mean, the thing is, with VUCA, um, the answer to VUCA is actually the same acronym, and it's like providing a vision. It's um, to unravel uh, unclarities. It's to um, translate complex situation into approachable concepts and um, methods. Um, but you have to do it hand in hand, right? You can't be doing it on your own. Um, yet there needs to be a figure or rather probably a, a team of leaders who are guiding, guiding others through a change. So I just want to go back for a second to the idea of the transformational leader versus mm. the purpose-led leader. Uh, can you give us an example of maybe some of the traits associated with each of those so we can understand the contrast a bit better? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I mean, it's om- if you look at it, it's like um, the comparison would be a little bit like while the transformational leader is driving for perfectionism, um, the purposeful leader would rather be encouraging health, um, striving for empathy and um, for self-compassion, while the transformational leader would be rather someone who knows things right and who um, is right. Um, a purposeful leader would rather be someone who learns together with each other to be on a shared journey together. Um, while, for example... Um, the negative aspects of um, transformational leadership are sometimes that they allow for a fitting-in culture, much more cater for a fitting-in culture, much more than um, the cultivation of a culture of of belonging and of, like, inclusivity and diverse perspectives, which is actually a very big challenge for a purposeful leader as well to consider these different perspectives that come into play. So then... I suppose those kind of leadership styles possibly uh, appeal to different kinds of people, right? Or mm. people in different life situations. Yeah, yeah. You know, I suppose when you've got people who are, you know, feeling a little bit lost, maybe in an organisation or a movement where they've just been, you know, I don't know, the foundations have been shaken and things have fallen down, you almost look for that one person who can lead strong and have a clear idea and put their name yeah. to stuff. And then a purposeful leader might be better for people who are already feeling fulfilled and feeling excited and feeling empowered. I'm not so so sure if this excludes the other because I I reckon the the art of purposeful leadership is not that you seem lost or that you cannot give any stability to others. It's more that you have the ability to actually develop things together and inclusively. And even with people who don't know the exact path yet. Um, And that's, I think, the, 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 the fine art of purposeful leadership is that while you are allowing for and catering for diverse voices and sort of a polyphony within um, an organisation or a movement, you're also able to give stability. Yeah, okay. So there's a little bit of that tension. It's almost a paradox, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And so I suppose... Hmm. And so 
can you explain how does like how do you go about that what are the what are the kind of actions that this purposeful leader might take to have stability and that openness and learning and um, I guess vulnerability that's required of someone in that situation. How, yeah. do, how do they do that? What kind of actions might we expect to see? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think rather than actions, it's a certain kind of mindset you have to bring to the table um, for sure. It's like a lot about curiosity and openness to other people and their opinions. And actions would be actually to show honest interest in what drives people and what people's own purpose is and how that fits in together with the greater cause. Yeah, okay. I actually had an interesting chat with a philosopher who talked about when we come to discussions or arguments, often we have that mindset that we're here to win Yeah. and to yeah. concede anything is to lose and so we never back down. Whereas if we change our approach and come to learn, all of yeah. a sudden we're asking questions. We're trying to work out why this person said that, what caused them to think that or say that. And it brings a completely different, um, you know, tone to the conversation. Yeah, exactly. And it makes things much more interesting. And when we go back to the VUCA environment, I mean, it would be quite... Um, uh, how do you say? It would be quite naive and also so quite arrogant to think that one person on its own could solve a problem in a VUCA environment. It always requires more than one. And I think um, this uh, the acceptance that although someone may be an experienced leader, there's someone really junior or someone from a very different uh, area may have something meaningful and valuable to say to actually solve complex problems. Um, this is actually where it should be going, right? And for that, you need a certain set of curiosity and open heart probably to, to allow these other voices to come in. I actually heard, I read something interesting. There's this amazing book called The Culture Map that talks about the different ways that people think and relate and make decisions around the world. Mm. And one of the examples was the way that decisions are made in a hierarchical organisation in Scandinavia where the people at the, I guess, the bottom of the hierarchy will discuss and debate a certain topic, come up with an idea or solution and pass that on to the person above them. And the people at that level will all discuss the ideas that they've heard, pass them on upwards and upwards till they get to the top. And the leader simply, and apparently this is quite a strange phenomenon, in a meeting the people below them will make suggestions and the leader will or will make a suggestion and the leader will just endorse it because they know that everyone underneath them has had that productive conversation yeah yeah it's it's very similar to to what uh lalu talks about in his reinventing organizations and he talks about an, a dutch company actually uh, a care company that have self-organized teams so self-managed teams so um, there's no uh, management decision involved in the process, like only when it's very final. Um, for example, if, I don't know, they require a certain budget, the team itself goes through the whole evaluation process and negotiates it with each other and with other team members, so with the equals. And then it's actually going to be pulled through. So it's a lot of this, like, command and control management actions or activities uh, disappear and leadership can actually focus on what leadership is about, about like leading three teams through changes and not so much like controlling their daily work and their daily routine. And it's actually quite interesting because these teams and these organizations that function in this way are um, very efficient and very productive and they um, have very low turnover rates 
um, because people have a sense of ownership and are therefore also highly committed to stay in such an organization and they are proud on what they are doing. Yeah, that empowerment piece is always so important for people. Yeah. And I think that's it's an interesting uh, aspect or lens for leaders to have. How do I empower these people? What are, almost what are the minimum number of stipulations or conditions I need to put on the way we all behave? You know, so whether they're values or principles or behaviours we do and don't accept. Yeah, yeah. If these are the kind of guardrails, now you guys do what you want to do or what you know how to do. Yeah, That's yeah. I mean, I think it's an art to let go as well. I think the way we most of us have have learned things is to get it right and to get it 100% right and experience equals getting things right um but it's actually quite um um i don't know it's i i think it would be better for your own self protection as well if you like let go of things and allow others to step in and to like give them the chance um to fulfill their task on their own individually and um i think it's a lot about trust and trustful relationships between leadership and employees in an organization or in any kind of movement actually that you trust your colleagues to be equals actually in making decisions so if i'm organizing a local activist group how do i start to build that trust as a leader mm. what can i do to start to you know show my trust to the people but also be able to trust them yeah, you reckon if you are a leader who sort of has challenges with trusting people? Well, I guess everybody, any new relationship, yeah. right? Someone new comes on board or you've just started the movement, yeah. you can't just implicitly trust each other. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the things that a leader can do to start to build that mutual trust? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the way I learned uh, it works in organisations and I assume that um, in any kind of, of, of like... Um, group this this could work is that it, you have to start with like little tasks right to give someone a task and the person has ownership of that for that task and is responsible and um, then you just have to to go through trial and error right and if you're a smart leader you give them tasks at the beginning that are like not killing the whole mission and vision that you're endeavoring um so and they and might be booking the room to meet in or <laughs> organising the snacks or whatever. Yeah, well, maybe they can do a bit more than that. But yeah, maybe that's, that could be a start, like start little by little. And then also it's a bit easier for those coming into new, new to an organisation. If you give them a task too big at the beginning and they fail, this is also um, quite likely that they will be scared to take on the next task. So it's actually good if you give them a task that they will definitely fulfil at the beginning. Isn't it? Isn't it strange when you start thinking about the layers of psychology around leadership? Because it's not as mm. simple as, hey, I'm going to be a good person and everyone's going to respect me and we're going to get where we need to. You really need to empathise with people, understand how they'll react and respond in different situations yeah. in order to engineer that kind of successful collective movement. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, I mean, I mean if, if I look back at the leaders I've been working for or that I've been working with, is those who I perceived as being very good leaders were those actually who listened and who watched carefully and who sort of like, I, it's not about like, um, you know, making everyone feel comfortable the whole time and being like a super harmonious uh, relationship. It's still like um, a leadership role takes, takes, I think, like sort of 
a strong back but an open heart. That's some pretty good advice. Strong back and an open heart. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Um, well, because you sort of, I mean, you still, you're still in a position that, that, that people look at and turn for, for advice, but at the same time you have to be emotional and empathize with people and to make them feel that their opinion and their voice matters. And the combination, I mean, we had this at the beginning, it's, it's quite par a paradox, actually, that somehow you are guiding, but on the other side, you're being guided. Maybe a little bit like tango dancing. Um, <laughs> I've never danced tango, but I heard that it's, uh, it's, it's sort of the same. You're leading and being led and leading and being led, and you have to find the right balance in doing that. Yeah, they do. I've read that facilitation is kind of one of the core leadership skills of today. Yeah. And facilitation is definitely, in my experience bringing the best out of people yeah. but also help making sure they're moving forward and making progress at all times and it's yeah. not that you dictate that progress but you do help guide it and keep it on track yeah 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 Fas facilitation and, and and coaching i reckon are the two elements that are very fundamental nowadays um and I, I mean, especially talking as a consultant, that's the hardest task as well, because as a consultant, you learn to find solutions quickly for, for problems or, or challenges. And to facilitate or to coach people actually requires to not tell them what to do, but show them a path of how they could be doing it and uh, to let them find out themselves. Um, and that's, I think, for not only consultants, but with but for a lot of people, actually, the biggest challenge, if you know the solution already, but you can't help people because you want them to grow and to excel and to find their own path. Well, I think that's where the learning mindset comes as well because yeah. they might actually solve it in a different way or they might solve it in a better way, but they'll never be able to do that yeah. until you give them the freedom yeah, to do it. Yeah, exactly. I also think there's a lot to be said for having people uh, work out the best way themselves, you know, their brain makes certain, connects two different ideas in order to solve the problem and then they become a capable person. Whereas if you spoon feed them, yeah, that, yeah. that's when they start turning to you for every decision, right? And then you go back to that yeah, exactly. authoritarian leader as opposed to a yeah. purposeful one. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So let's talk about Steve Jobs, right? Everyone talks about what an amazing deity of a designer he was can yeah, you yeah can you give us your perspective on I guess, <laughs> the steve jobs myth yeah i mean wow yeah um because in a, in I, a I way right he's an interesting yeah, leader he is, right he's, he's, so many people yeah. follow the steve jobs way of thinking both uh consumers and you know designers and techies yeah. and people working in yeah. apple I mean, he was quite radical in in a sense the way he he like worked and the way he provided feedback. Um, I read his biography, and I I really don't want to step on his toes, but I, it, it seemed to me that he was probably not the most um, the the easiest leader you could work for. I think he was very very harsh and quite also authoritarian in in his ways of operating and quite pushy. Um, nevertheless, what he what what he managed to do actually is that when you think about like um, working for a company like Apple or buying a product from Apple, you don't think about buying a product or working for Steve Jobs. You think about that brand and that company. So it's it was never about him, despite the fact that he was promoting and he was on stage. He was the face on the stage. 
nevertheless, it was always the brand that was the center and the quality and the design of the brand. And this is something that he managed extremely well. Like it was um, uh, the whole um, aim of, of his campaigns were, were never to put himself in the forefront, but always the product and the innovation. So then how does that correlate to someone like Greta Thunberg, who's, you know, for better or worse, has been thrust to the front of the climate crisis movement? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of, on, on, on one hand today, people want leaders that are not that much of, like, stage people. They want people that could be one of them. So Greta actually fits in quite well. Nevertheless, a lot of criticism stems from the fact that Greta is actually quite a face for a movement um, in terms of that it's that it's her being sometimes more than actually um, the whole group that stands behind it, that it's almost like a person-based cult that, that sort of um, develops around the person Greta. Which I don't, I I don't know. I mean, you, you can question this whole thing um, whether it's a cult around Greta, whether it's a PR thing or a PR campaign, uh, or whether it's just tr truly her and what she's doing. Um, and I think this is a super controversial topic. I think what she's doing is amazing. Yeah, and the the difficult part of that situation or any situation like that is that it's actually other people's perception of you. I believe that. Mm. makes you a leader right you can think you're a leader but yeah it's only when people start treating you as one that you are a leader when they start listening when they start deferring to you when yeah. they feel like they can follow you that's the leadership. yeah no you ca you cannot nominate yourself as being a leader i mean you can be nominated as as being a manager by an organization but a leader is something that um i believe is someone who's appointed by by the people surrounding that person so we're calling for democratic elections in our um, <laughs> <Yes>. social movements. <laughs> well, I mean, that's probably bad news for people listening who are <laughs> thinking, man, I am going to lead a kick-ass protest next week. Um, bad news. You need to ask everyone if you're the right person no, to do it. that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but I reckon no one will show up for, for, for um, the, the, the demonstration if you're a bad leader. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Like... People will follow leaders who them they whom they believe in. So, what if I'm part of a movement and we've got a terrible leader that cares more about getting their name in the press release than the cause that they're talking about? Mm. You know, that's looking at headshots, not strategies for change. Yeah. What should I do? I mean, um, at first, I would hope that there's not only one pe person being on top, that there's like a leadership team which actually qu works always quite well, especially if you have people who then put their ego first. Um, and on the other side, I mean, if, if there is a leader or leadership team that you don't believe in, then it's probably the wrong movement to be part of. So even if I'm aligned with the cause and eager to work towards that outcome, the leader should be a... Well, it should be ideally, a defining factor. Well, well, no, not not the leader as a person. Um, I mean, this thing is, the leader or the leadership team. Let's call them a leadership team. They will make um, a, a course fail or succeed. And if they are the wrong people, I mean, it's either they're being re-elected or re-chosen, 
or um, the past has proven that that movement will probably lead into nowhere. I mean, poor leadership always leads to change fatigue and to change failure. I want to talk just quickly that that idea of change fatigue. I'm really mm. keen to dig into that. But before we do, um, that idea of leadership teams. Mm. What is when is that appropriate? What is the value of having a team of leaders as opposed to one leader? Yeah, I um, in my opinion, it's it's it always makes sense to have a leadership team, just as it makes sense to to have like diverse and interdisciplinary teams when you want to drive innovation and, and um, establish something new. And it again leads back to Bukabert that um, it would be quite stupid actually to think about one individual who brings in every skill and every discipline to the table. It's I think it always makes sense and you can see it when in, in any like political democratic setup that there's always um, a certain group of people who makes decisions because it makes sense to discuss things yeah. together and if that's from like a leadership team even more so so if we're looking for a good leader or people to be in a leadership team what are the kind of um, aspects of their personality that uh, we could identify or that people can mm. look within and think about you know what do I need to work on or am I right to lead this movement yeah yeah I mean, I think um, what you mentioned earlier is the, the willingness to learn and the openness for other people's opinion is probably the core, the core skill set or the core personality set that you have. And this is something you can also work on and, and develop. Um, I think the, the ability to, to coach and facilitate are another two key um, factors that you need. And I think also, and this is probably one of the most important bits, is to step back when you realize that you've done a mistake or to step back when you realize your idea may not be the best, although you are the leader. This is probably what makes the best leaders to me. That kind of humility and the ability to accept yes, defeat. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's go back to change fatigue because mm -hmm. we hear about that lot in an organization. And mm. when we spoke to Emily from GetUp, she talked about finding the right tactics and the right idea and if it's not working, you need to change the yeah. way you think and the way you approach problems. Now, that happens all the time mm. in social movements. You know, one of the brilliant things about these Hong Kong riots is their ability to innovate and come up with new and exciting and interesting approaches and different ways to drive home their message. How do you, as a leader, how do you keep people engaged and enduring or energised when you're changing tactics and trying different things mm. time and time again? Mm. I mean, you have to keep... The thing is the, the target and the cause why you're doing this change should not change every day. The, the tactics and the strategies, they can, obviously, but the thing is people sign up for change or transformation because they believe in a cause. If you change the cause, you're losing them. Um, if you change the strategies, that's fine as long as you talk to people and um, you find out how much pressure they can take at that certain step time when you choose to, to change something. I had an interesting conversation earlier today with a group about um, ways that they could further their movement and get some more press around their ideas. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting that someone introduced the idea of... Um, 
connecting with different kinds of um, different kind of affiliate groups. Mm. They said, and they got to this idea where they thought maybe our cause can have a float in the Mardi Gras, and like it was a bit of a silly idea, like really funny and interesting. Yeah. But when everybody in the room just got really energised and started coming up with ideas to make it amazing and people that they could invite, yeah. I was like, that looks like a great change in tactic because you you can see that natural energy in the room. And yeah, see, because you've got people like involved in, in, in what actions could be taken, right? I think if you do it top down the whole time and you just pour new strategies and new tactics over people on and on and on again, they will just get really tired of that. But if the energy comes from them and the willingness to do something differently to get to reach the target or the goal, it's actually something very wonderful that can happen and something very energizing. So how do I discover that as a leader? You know, I might be open and empathetic and transparent and all that stuff, but how do I start to encourage my team to come to me with ideas and start to mm. want to drive the movement and see the opportunities for change themselves. Ask them. Ask them engaging in dialogue. I think the worst a leader can do is to assume what the others are thinking or feeling or doing. Talking to each other really helps. And then there are like wonderful uh, tools that you can use. You can engage in, I don't know, design thinking processes, for example. You can do little sprints together where you like try to dig into like challenges. If you see a certain strategy doesn't work, get to the core of it. Why doesn't it work? To talk to those that you actually want to address with this strategy and find out why it doesn't work for them and try to find find other loopholes and new ways of doing things. Yeah, okay. So you almost create the conditions for these ideas to be brought out into the wild and then because that's an interesting idea right when you start to not just hear out people's ideas but put them into that kind of test scenario so everyone can see and hear and it's no longer about the leader it's about what actually exactly. resonates with the people we're trying to connect exactly with. and then you can look at it from different angles and you have um, the possibility to engage in a meaningful dialogue and to like create something new together which is probably then pretty exciting for people yeah, I think so. I mean, that's that empowerment piece we were talking yeah. about at the start, right? Yeah. Linda, I wonder if you've got um, – I just want a couple more questions, right? We talked at the start about volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, um, and we've talked about empathetic leaders who are open and transparent and empathetic. Um, how do those characteristics of a leader help navigate – the VUCA world? So they they navigate through this change by first establishing a clear vision. So that's the, that's the V in the VUCA. Ah, from volatility um, to vision. Yes, right. from volatility to vision. <laughs> I, get, I get a feeling I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> from understanding, uh, uh, from uncertainty to understanding and to create an understanding for actually complex situations and to sort of bringing the experience how to handle uncertainty and how to like accept it as well to some stage. Ah, that's interesting. Um, then the C stands for clarity. So mm -hmm. to bring clarity into complex situations and that again is like the experience that you bring in as a leader, ideally, that you sort of know that when things are complex, there, are usu there is usually a pass. It's not clearly written and it can sort of change along the way. But still, for, for those who, who are part of your team, you bring them through it by providing them. You always just have to know the next step, but that you have to know as a leader to be able to sort of navigate the others through the change. 
And the A stays for, stands for agility. So Agi agility, agility, yeah, yeah. Um, stands for agility. So um, as I mentioned earlier, if you um, make a plan today, you may realize tomorrow that it's a it's yesterday's plan and it doesn't apply anymore. So you have to have an agile mindset when you approach um, any change or transformations. All right. So VUCA. So vision. Understanding, clarity, ambiguity. Agility. Agility, sorry. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so easy yeah, to remember. Yeah, no clarity there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not that's easy. It's not easy. No, but I, I suppose like any skill, you need to practice it, yeah. test it, try it and just keep going and keep learning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I suppose it's a. Uh, it's it's a never-ending journey, and you have to embrace the journey itself. There's uh, there's no destination you can reach, and I mean, this is sort of what Wuka suggests as well. I heard a great piece of advice years ago. Someone talked about complexity. Oh, sorry, not complexity. Chaos theory. And they talked about the waves crashing on the shore, and when you're a little water drop. Life is bonkers, right? It's, I'm up, I'm down, crash, I'm over here, I'm up, I'm down, crash. But if you're standing on the beach, it's this real rhythmic, predictable pattern that you see. Yeah, yeah. And so the advice was when you're that water drop in the thing, in the wave, find someone who's standing on the shore who can see what's going on and they'll be a great source to tell you what to expect, how to deal with this stuff. I oh, think, that's really nice. You know, nice. it's almost yeah. looking for yeah. a mentor or someone who's been through it before. Yeah, exactly. Because and I think the leadership idea is it's great but it's hard and you have to do the hard yards. But yeah. If, but if you can find that person to kind of learn lessons from and apply, yeah. you can start to move a little bit faster and make better progress yeah absolutely and even the best leaders have mentors and coaches and other leaders who, who guide them through their challenges now i want to finish on this so hopefully you're going to say something profound uh, <laughs> no pressure what advice would you have for someone who's looking to lead a new movement you know they've found an issue that they're excited about they've done the due diligence they understand it they've spoken to people who are you know experiencing this issue and they've decided to mobilize a group what do you think would be the advice you give to someone who's just starting out so the first advice would be to find someone who's willing to provide mentorship and um, quality goes over quantity here um, it would be uh, advisable to to find someone who's really committed to share their war stories and whose whose ego allows that mentor also to share failures um, but also win stories, of course, that you can then just like apply to your own situation. And the second advice would be to listen to others, and to listen to peers and also to listen to those that you want to be in your movement and to find a common ground and then to like grow together and um, to be willing to share the path because it's a shared purpose you're actually following. All right, I have one bonus question now because we didn't quite go into purpose as much yeah. as I had planned. Uh, the idea that um, a leader leads with mm. purpose, what happens when there are other people in your organisation or group that kind of align, you know, kind of have the same sense of purpose but maybe it's they're on a slightly different tangent because we know – you know, definitely in social movements and yeah. probably in a lot of businesses too, you end up with these factions that shoot off in other directions rather than staying on board and aligned. Yeah. How does a purposeful leader 
keep those different ideas of purpose aligned. Yeah, I think this is the, the biggest challenge for any purposeful leader because um, you, I mean, there, there, there is one overarching purpose, ideally, that sort of brings everyone together. That's the cause why you are there. And everyone will have their own interpretation of that cause, what it means to them and how it fits in with their own individual purpose and what they want to achieve in life. And um, the task of the leader is to support the people to realize their purpose while of obviously fitting into the broader purpose or, or the cause of the mission. Which I don't know how do you do it. You have to listen to them. Well, There's yeah. no magic trick. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, you know, that. I mean, that's... I think that's something that we we hear time and time again that it comes yeah. down to very simple approaches and rules. Yeah, and, and yeah. I mean you you also have to if you realize there are some people who just have a completely different purpose, and it does not align with the with the organization's or with the mission's purpose at all. It's then it's sort of a no fit. But I I reckon that these people would probably also not sign up to be part of your movement if they if it doesn't fit for them, because. Um, like a movement only exists successfully by people who really believe in it and where they see that their heart beats strongly and their eyes sparks when they when they hear the purpose of that overall mission. There is an interesting idea about um, when we talk about a purpose or a vision. You know, people believe in this purpose that we have here until something higher and bigger is introduced, that they yeah. can believe in it at a, yeah, at a higher yeah. level. I heard a great example where the um, the state government was promoting drug-free festivals and mm. justifying their behaviour through drug-free festivals. And someone else introduced this idea of death-free festivals. And what it does is it elevates the thing that we're trying yeah. to achieve. Yeah. How can you argue with death-free festivals? Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's such a bigger idea and I think that that's an interesting way to align more and more people as yeah. well to think about is there a time where the purpose needs to become a higher level, more encompassing yeah, yeah, idea. Yeah, that, that's true. And, I mean, you you just have to look out, I, I reckon, for not watering it out too much. But um, I think you can establish clear lines of where your purpose starts and where it begins and where you can attract a lot of people. And I reckon also for, you asked previously, how a purposeful leader can actually make sure that there's, like, still everyone in the movement follows the same purpose, although they may have different interpretations of it. And I think this is something really important at the beginning when you establish a movement and you establish the first pillars in terms of like the first teams or people that come in, that you are being really honest with each other what you actually want to achieve so that it is a shared goal and a shared vision. And as a leader, you just become almost the facilitator of that shared vision. Exactly, yeah. Well, it actually, when you say it like that, it sounds like an easy enough thing to do, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not. I found, a bit, I found an issue that I want to work on. I meet some other people. We talk about it. We're open. We listen. We understand. We align and we go off and we change the world. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's easy as that. It sounds that easy, but uh, but the thing is that human beings are complex, and you you listen to them, um, and you try to line everyone. But it's like I don't know how you say that. In German, you say "sack voll Fleur." It's like almost like a bundle full of fleas. You probably cannot translate that. 
but it's it's almost like your water drop in in that wave you know you have a lot of water drops in your wave and they move with whatever the wind does they move differently all the time so it's not the stable thing yeah and that's a challenge yeah i mean that's that idea right that whilst they might be in that room aligning on this idea they've got some serious stuff going on in their life that is going to change the way they think change their commitment and you need to accept those things. Yeah, yeah. Human know. systems are so complex and they are moving all the time. So it's not that easy to grasp. And in the, in, in the one second where you think you got it all and you have them all aligned and you know the direction and you know the right strategy and, do not, and the right tool, one little drop will change and everything else changes as a chain reaction. So there you go. All right. It doesn't seem <laughs> so simple anymore. Sorry. Linda, a couple of... Um, what would be great is if you could just give us a couple of questions that leaders can ask themselves maybe each day or in a time of in mm. a time of uncertainty in their own leadership. They um, should ask themselves probably every day if they had listened to at least one story someone in their movement had to tell. Um, this would be something important. They should ask themselves if their own idea ignites their inner fire. Um, because they will need that fire to to spark it in others. And probably as a third question, they um, they can ask themselves, or they should ask themselves, how they how they could help others in succeeding um, to realize their purpose. All right, cool. Well, there are three pretty easy questions that I guess we can all ask ourselves each morning. Oh, there's uh, one more question, actually. Oh, go ahead, um, Linda. Uh, the, the most important question is actually what leaders should ask themselves every day is what they have learned on that day that they didn't know before. All right. Well, that's if that's the big question, I'm glad we fitted that in. <laughs> all right, cool. Look, that's all we have time for today. Uh, Linda, it has been excellent having you here, sharing your kind of outside perspective for everyone in our world I think there's a lot to take from that I really like that kind of volatility to vision uncertainty to understanding complexity to clarity ambiguity to agility that's a really easy way for people to think about you know when they are in those situations when there is change when they need to adapt that's I guess a really simple rule of thumb and I think those questions are great I think learning every day man we should all be doing it Uh, Guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for listening. Please do share this episode with anyone that you think is capable of leading a movement or maybe they've already started one and they just need a little nudge in the right direction. You've heard it here from an industry expert and uh, I think this is great information that anyone can apply to their movement. Uh, If you want to join the conversation online, you can join the Riot Squad. It's a Slack chat group where we can spitball ideas uh you can ask some more questions if you need some stuff from linda and um or if you've got some ideas for this podcast and there's other stuff that you want to hear just let me know there that's it guys uh, thank you very much for listening my name's rich brophy and this has been how to start a riot